Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro. First time I'm saying that in the podcast. Evan Preparis. So if you haven't heard, we have switched title sponsors. We are now the Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro team. Uh, I'm sure if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you're familiar with Hannibal Race, the race brand that specializes you know, in the Middle East, Lebanon, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, stuff like that. So finally got a good opportunity and a opportunity. Uh, to represent officially represent their band i've been supporting them for years but now we've got the whole team so we got 10 athletes on our team you can still head over to our same website ctgproteam.com and <clears throat> check out the uh, some redesigned and updates to the website and uh, we're officially representing handlebar race here in america and people keep asking me are they coming to america well there's no plans in the next year uh, but we they do get some value out of us representing their brand worldwide so hoping to get a you know, have more people know about their brand. And if you want to hear more about the Hannibal Race, head back and listen to the episodes from January where I had Rachel Waters on, the pre and post race on our trip to Kuwait. All right, joining me, I have Bobby Ross. Bobby, welcome back. Hey, thanks, man. It's good to be back. Bobby, I'm always, as I say every time I bring him on, I'm always looking for an excuse to bring you on the podcast because I think you're entertaining. Um, <laughs> if we don't know Bobby Ross, Bobby Ross is the filmmaker who does all – Anytime you see something that I produce that is that looks good, it's Bobby. It's not me. I had literally nothing to do with it. Um, so the OCR Everest documentary was him. OCR America 2, that was him. The reason I got picked for Ninja Warrior for a third time, still him, because I use his content, his footage for the submission videos. And the, the guy who interviewed me for Ninja Warrior uh, after I got picked was like, man, your submission video was like the best quality we've seen. It's just so good. And they were they were really excited uh, that I knew I knew and work with you dude it's just because I, I use the new iPhone man that's what it is <laughs> yeah, but what you're carrying <laughs> looks a little more expensive than an iPhone <laughs> so before we get started I wanted to do I, I know I'm going to forget to do this at the end of the podcast I just recorded an episode today on the always be cool podcast a podcast based out of Kansas City so make sure you go and head over and listen to them always be cool podcast Got two guys on there doing the interviews, and they interview a lot of baseball players. So they've actually got like a really impressive lineup of people that they've had on their show. Um, not sure how I fit in there, but I don't know. <laughs> they, seem, they seem to find me interesting, and I, I really got to give them a shout-out because we were having a ton of technical difficulties because I was recording it from work, and I don't have Wi-Fi there. So I'm like slaving it off my phone, and my phone starts dying, and my audio is – yeah. So they're going to fix it up, but uh, I give them a lot of credit, and I wanted to thank them. Always be a cool podcast. Make sure you check them out. And then two, I just finished uh, Tim Kennedy's book. You familiar with Tim Kennedy, Bobby? No, I don't know who that is. Tim Kennedy is a special forces guy who was also a professional MMA fighter. Oh, okay. So he wrote a book called Scars and Stripes. Uh, I just finished listening to it a couple weeks ago. And during it, I was like, wow, you know, like me and him were in the same place at the same time, like three or four different times. And I just thought it was like really crazy how like, events lined up but I know I've never met him I don't know him personally so I shot him an email this morning I was like hey hey dude like loved your book I'm gonna give it a five-star review um blah 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 like here's a couple times we go we basically cross paths and he's like a, he's a pretty big name right uh and he actually responded to the email so that was that was super cool of him so uh go pick up scars and stripes if you like that book or if you like I, I think if you like his book you'll like my book and if you like my book ultra OCR man you'll like his book because my my book is War Stories and Ultra Distance Obstacle Course Racing. His is basically War Stories and uh, MMA Fighting. And then his 
towards the end of his book, he gets into some of the TV stuff he did. He hosted the show like Hunting Hitler and stuff like that. So he does a lot of cool stuff. Definitely recommend it. Oh man, that's your that's the next phase in your career evolution, Evan. I know. Well, <laughs> Bobby, you need to stop taking paying jobs and just uh, start working with me for free. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to uh, if if they paid. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll, hopefully we can get something going in the next uh, year or two. Oh, you know, we're going to do some fun stuff. We yeah. always do, whether we figure out how to get paid for it or not. Yeah. So real quick, what have you been up to since uh, we last talked? Man, I'm just keeping on, keeping on, man. Just doing regular old uh, guy who holds a camera work, uh, co- coasting a little bit, not, nothing big uh, the past few months. And uh, there is some some fun, interesting stuff in the future that I can't quite talk about yet. But right. uh, that is that has got me really excited about what this year holds. And uh, but not ever quite as excited as I am about whatever it is that you're going to wrangle me into doing <laughs> next. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we we brought Bobby on just as a I, I wanted someone to talk to and kind of uh, as I talk through this series of episodes. And I want to just kind of like another talking head and someone who's got some interesting insight and someone who's not from the world of military and special operations. So this episode, and we might do a couple episodes on this, uh, is about the TV show Special Forces. If you're not familiar with the show, it's on Fox Fox Network. It's also on Hulu, which is where I watched it. And if you're familiar with the TV show The Selection, it's basically the celebrity version of The Selection. So they brought on 16 celebrities, you know, varying degrees of famousness and they put them through a 10-day special forces like experience and uh there's no prizes it is just a matter of you know sticking it out and finding like internally who has the 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 grit to persevere through special forces like tests so i had my dad ask me questions about it before i'd watch the show um the guy who does the intro music um my priest actually father dino uh, he had asked me questions about it, and I was I was like, oh, I'll just send you a response. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, I have a lot to say. So why don't we just do a podcast? And then we were talking about it at work. Long story short, here we are. Me and Bobby are going to talk about the TV show Special Forces. We're not going to use – like we're not going to give away major spoilers, but we are going to talk about some of the events they do. And if you watch the TV show, I mean they, they essentially show what they're doing at the end of each episode for the next episode. So that's not even really spoilers. Um, but I'm not going to use like names like, Oh, this, per- this celebrity said this, and this celebrity said that I'm talking about people in general on the show. So if you haven't watched the show, you can listen to this and go watch it. If you have watched the show, you know, I think you'll find value in this. And if you want to watch the show and alternate between this and watching the show, I think that's a great option too. So uh, I think it'll be interesting. I, boy, have I got some, some thoughts on this show. I am so excited to get started on this, Evan. All right, so let, let's get started. So the, the first thing I thought was really funny right off the bat was when they introduced the cadre, the four people running it, there's actually no special forces on there. No, <laughs> no. So <laughs> according to the American definition, so there, there was two British guys. One of them is an SAS guy, um, mm-hmm. Special Air Service. So basically the American version of special forces or um, Delta. And the other one was SBS, which is like the British version of SEALs. And then there was an American Navy SEAL. And then there is a uh, Marine Special Operations dude. So for Special Forces, it's a specific term. It means Green Berets. That's what I am. It is, it, it is not the umbrella term. The umbrella term is Special Operations Forces. So I thought it was funny that the name was uh, misnamed for American audience. I think perhaps in Britain, 
SAS and SBS may be special forces. So I thought that was really funny just right off the bat. There's so much of this, and this is the very first thing. I'm not jumping ahead when I say that, like, they go a long way into making you believe that everything that they're doing is somehow some sort of, like, standard procedure. Mm. And that is, uh, it, to, to me, the very first thing that I'm like, wait, wait a second. Like, the, is there a Green Beret here at all? I didn't even know what the, uh, the British designations were. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's SAS? Like, why have I have to got my phone open to see this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, SAS is we, – we, we stole their model on a lot of stuff. Like, we, we, when we, we took that concept and brought it to America. Oh, really? Yeah. So That's they were the inspiration for a lot of our specialized units. So okay. the, um, you know, the TV show starts off with them on a train. Um, they're actually in Jordan, which I thought was really interesting that they actually took them out of the country into Jordan. And we have a great relationship with the Jordanian Special Operations Units. So, uh, not this. I thought it was. I was surprised they they went to Jordan. Uh, if I if you told me they were going to be in a country in the Middle East, I was not, I would not be surprised it's Jordan just because of the relationship we have with their their units. Yeah, uh, it's also where we shot Mad Max, I think. Right? Sort is it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. There, there's a apparently a bunch of like made up fabricated vehicles from that movie in 2015 still like strewn about the desert, and they really I'm don't sure want anyone to shoot there ever again. So. That's surprising to me to hear. <laughs> also, the location of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The uh, oh, that's in Petra, Jordan. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. Where, where they keep the uh, Holy Grail. It's actually that that like relief work. It is you can go into that building, but it's only like one room big. It's not there's not like a giant pit and then an old uh, knight telling you to choose wisely. Oh, well, that's a that's a bummer. Yeah, I have not been right. there, but you know, I'd like to get there at some point. <laughs> Next time. So the, I mean, the, the initial, the show starts off with them getting like, uh, essentially them getting captured on the train and them getting bagged. So they put, they put a bag overhead, which is very similar to SEER training. A lot of this show, you'll hear me talk about it throughout, but a lot of it is inspired by SEER training, uh, survival, escape, resistance, and evasion. And that's when they, they train you for two weeks on how to survive behind enemy lines, kind of like Boy Scouts condensed into two weeks um, and to build inner survival. And then they also talk about interrogation and how to deal with that. And then they... They have you evade the enemy for a couple of days where like people are chasing you and there's dogs and there's and there's like cadre and vehicles trying to find you. And then you eventually have to get captured as part of the training and they put you in a prisoner of war camp and treat you like a pre-OW. It is terrible. Mm. <laughs> it is terrible. So we're going to talk about that a lot because they, <laughs> they, they use inspiration from a lot. Of it. One of them is putting bags over your head and depriving you of your senses. So that was pretty accurate. Um, they did have a, a portion – like one of their first tests is they ha they take them up in a helicopter and have them like fall backwards into the water, and they have to yeah. like maintain a straight posture. And any, what'd you think of that, Bobby? I thought that's that's pretty tame. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, pretty tame. So you know, for we have similar stuff in the military training, but we typically don't do it out of a helicopter because it's expensive and it <laughs> takes a long time for one person, right? So if we did something like that. It would just be off of like a tower into water, right? It would be like a plank. Um, so I've never done that off of a helicopter, just falling backwards because it seems like a really stupid way to enter. <laughs> Maybe a really stupid way to use the military's resources as well. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but we, we do do a lot of tests that test your fear of heights and fear of water. So Ranger School has a, a water survive or a water confidence course, they, I think they call it. It's essentially a zip line. Uh, you splash in the water, and then you come out of the water. You climb a uh, like a giant ladder, and you go across a balance beam that has 
you know, two steps up and then two steps down. Mm. You're like 30 feet up and it's pretty wide. It's probably like six inches wide. Um, but you're, st- I mean, you're stepping over this thing and you're, you're pretty high. Like yeah. I would not want to fall. And if you fall, you're going to come in head first. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, and then you mm. basically do a Tyrolean traverse, uh, one rope bridge type thing over to a ranger tab, tap it and shout your roster number and fall in. So kind of similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the very first thing I, uh, I thought was striking to me about that was the, the age and I don't, it was just striking to me that they had so many untrained people doing stuff. And like, as soon as like, without giving anything away, you know, if, if you see someone getting hurt, don't be surprised. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I'll I'll have some comments on that too. So hurt versus hurting, right? So yeah. I think this is Evan's opinion. They, because they're celebrities, they gave them an out when there was a, a, like a a way to, for them to save face. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they quit, they'd be like, "Okay, you quit." I'm like, "That's part of the show. I can't, I can't make it not seem like you quit." Right. But the ones who were hurt, I'm using air quotes here, and then were like medically dropped. I'm also using air quotes. Um, mm. That's like we don't do. We, there are few medical drops at selection. There is very few. People will be seriously hurt, and they're like, we're not dropping you. Do you quit? And they're like, yeah. So, like, a lot of people will <laughs> right. they'll be hurting, and then they quit versus medically drop. There's a distinct difference in paperwork when you leave a course. And a gotcha. lot of guys you meet will say, oh, I was going I, I to graduate, but I got hurt. Um, but their paperwork doesn't say they were hurt. Their paperwork says they quit because, um, you know, it it just takes a lot for you to get medically dropped, you know. Yeah. It's, um, As it should. It should, yeah. Because I don't want someone who's going to be like, "Hey, my my legs really hurting on this mission. I just want to, you know, just yeah, pick me up later." It's like like oh. anti fragility is kind of the point, right? Yes. Like I mean, like we we don't train, at least you know, like athletically. Like I I'm I'm training to be able to deal with that sort of thing partially. I'm training to prevent that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, that's yeah. why it's weird to me that there is that. Ooh, that's why I, it's, it's odd to to put anybody who's not trained in these sorts of scenarios, even if they are, what looks to me as like a an, a, a fit human, like a younger fit human. Yeah. Uh, like n- not too much of a strain. You know, I'm sure they gave them some pointers and some safety tips beforehand. You know, obviously they're there. Each episode less is is 24 hours of time, so. You're only seeing an hour worth of, of what they shot that day, mm-hmm. you know. And then, as you know, with filmmaking, right? There's a lot of like, oh, okay, you got to redo this. You got, we need this angle. We need this yep. angle. Please exit your vehicle again. Exit your vehicle again. Exit, you know, like yeah, to make sure they get all the angles they need for for their for their content there. Which uh, you will see a lot of a very particular. Uh, thing that you do is you frame everything in singles so you put one person on camera at a time a lot of stuff gets uh someone like will fall and you're like oh well we didn't think that would happen let's go and redo all of these things go stand over there again Mm. and then pretend like you said this or like say it with this thing now say the opposite of this thing while we're here in case we need it later there's a lot of like okay now say it now redo that so every like um one of those sort of like kind of like harsh exchanges has probably been redone several times. That's very disappointing to hear. (laughs) (laughs) 
because you don't have anyone in position. You know, you don't just like stop and get everyone in position all the time. You can't all the time. You've only got a certain number of people behind the camera. So a lot of times uh, when you see like a single, if it gets real close, that didn't happen at the moment it seems like it happened. Ah, interesting. And then if you think about it, like to capture all those moments, you would need lots of camera people. And then you'd have like camera people in the backs of other shots. Mm-hmm. Right. There'd be there'd be camera people all over the place in the backgrounds of the shots. It'd be like it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. For the editing. So that's that's a that's a thing to keep in mind. If there is a tense exchange, it's probably the third or fourth time they've had to like move somebody around to get that exchange to happen. So it really undercuts like the moments of real emotional mm. pain sometimes or sometimes maybe that's probably terrible. Like maybe it's worse because somebody who has like some sort of like trauma is reliving that three or four times, someone who's not trained, maybe at past their physical peak, like, that's got to be rough. Like, yeah. kudos to, you know, to some of these people for what they're going through. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going we're gonna to keep moving the, um, yeah, long story short, if, and you'll see when they dropped some of them, like, quote, unquote, medically dropped them, they were, like, dropped for a possible fracture. Yeah. Possible, fra- was it fractured or was it not fractured, right? Like, a possible mm. fracture is not like you tell me if it's for you know yeah so, like you know real uh training we would not all everyone that basically got medical dropped from the show we wouldn't have dropped any of those people there is a thing like you can go to the medical tent for a certain amount of time uh during the course of ranger school or selection and as long as you don't exceed that time you know which is like 24 hours i can't remember what the exact actual time is but as long as you don't exceed that time they'll keep you in the course regardless of almost what your problems are gotcha uh, how often, so this is, but before we move on to the next event, how often is it that somebody will say, uh, like just the elements or the environment will take you out? Cause there was some oh, of that too. Yeah, it's huge. You know, the, um, and it's not like quite, that's what people say. They just, they just quit for whatever reason. Right. But the, you know, if it's super hot or super cold, just existing is painful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you saw it at OCR America too, right? Like, just being outside was like, well, this is not comfortable. I'm not even having – I'm not even doing anything. I'm just standing here, and I'm having a bad time. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you definitely get that in ranger school, and um, I think we talked about it before, but, you know, there's a lot of spooning. You have to be very comfortable with your sexuality. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I've, spent, I've spent many a nights, like, hugging another man uh, in security because <laughs> it was cold. So, yeah. Yeah. What did I, you think about the suspension over that – Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no. Oh, this. We'll uh, we'll 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 get to that in a minute. I did want to talk about they. What did you think of the bathrooms? They had like stalls that were only like half covered. Have you ever been to like a music festival? Uh, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky to get that. So, it's not like this at Ranger School anymore. But at the first phase of Ranger School, the toilets they had like ten, like twenty toilets in a room, ten on one wall, ten on another. So you would poop. (laughs) literally staring at another dude pooping it was the worst it was the worst it's like the most awkward and it's not like oh well i'll just look to the side no because they're all lined up so you're gonna look at some other dude pooping it's (laughs) supposedly they have stalls now i asked one of my friends and then i called him weak for putting up stalls in his bathroom (laughs) oh i love it well hey you know that's a different kind of uh kind of thing though it's like you get close to somebody and then it's just like all right whatever man fire away <laughs> yeah yeah it was pretty funny that that brought back some memories they did use a lot of again 
taking inspiration from Seer with interrogations where they pull you, separate you from the group, and they ask you a bunch of questions. And they try to like expose your weakness or try to you get you to expose your own weakness. They'll pull your uh, social media profile offline, and then they'll you know ask you questions about things you've said in the past, um, stuff like that. Oh. You know, be- because it is celebrities, there was a lot less hands-on. So if you go to the actual Sears course, they will physically touch you. Like there was none of that in the show, right? Like yeah, it it hurts to be at Sears school. I'll just say that. <laughs> like it is. It is painful, you know, not like you're going to come out of there with like, you know, permanent disfigurement or anything like that. But, you know, it hurts. Yeah. So, yeah, rough you up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Push you around. Make sure you, uh, you know, who's boss. Yes, 100 percent. And they will. The other thing, like they don't they didn't threaten the celebrities with things like we were specifically threatened with, you know, because they're training you to be a prisoner of war in combat. So they will threaten you with absolutely terrible things that you would theoretically be experienced uh if you were an actual person of war in combat right so, yeah yeah those threats yeah. are there um, i was interested like i i was wanting to ask you about how uh if there is any basis for the kind of like taking people out and then like looking through their profiles looking through their past and then like what is the, so what would be the the reason for doing that is that just to make you mentally tougher and get you used to that sort of like questioning or are they specifically looking for things to use against you or to tear you down with combination of all of the above you know so there so part of seer school is like you're in a scenario so you're trying to protect uh, the details of whatever your mission was so p- part of that is them um you know getting to know you a little better part of it is uh they want to ask you about maybe some negative things you've done in the past and then essentially blackmail you into do other doing other things um oh. part of it is so there's a book called the interrogator written by a german uh german interrogator from world war ii and he he would interrogate people and people would leave the interrogation and be like i don't think i told him anything but he was the be- he was german's best interrogator he never used torture because he, all he would do is he'd build a lot of rapport, get you talking, and then he, you wouldn't even realize you were telling secrets. Oh so, wow! So they, they build a lot of rapport. You know, they can go good cop, bad cop, type yeah. thing. So the bad cop's hitting you. You know, he's yelling at you. He's forcing you to do things you don't want to do. And then the good cop is like, "Hey, man, I'm just working here. This is just my job. Let's just sit down, and have a cup of coffee, and uh, we can just talk it out." And you know, he'll, he'll tell. He'll tell you things that you that he knows from other interrogations um, to be like, hey man, like I know all this stuff already. So what you're telling me is not going to be any anything big. But he's looking for something very specific, and then the the people who are being questioned don't realize they've given away a secret. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. And they they speaking of OCR. Well, not speaking of OCR. This is an OCR hmm. podcast, but they did have them run through like a mini obstacle course at uh, in their little compound there. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty st- standard for most military courses. Uh, you know, the Nasty Nick is the one, the famous one at uh, Special Forces. The Darby Queen is the famous one at Ranger School. Navy SEALs have one. There's also a Seer obstacle course that no one ever talks about. That is very, it's it's actually pretty sketchy. Uh, that's probably why they don't talk <laughs> about it. But it's designed to get you mentally prepared to escape from a prisoner of war camp. So claustro, it stresses your like claustrophobia, it stresses heights. Um, it, it doesn't have like all the safety precautions that you'd see at some other <laughs> obstacle. Like it, it is like jagged rocks and stuff around. You're like, 
uh did the army approve this <laughs> but apparently they did um but you know you do do obstacle courses at a lot of the uh actual military training so that that was kind of accurate yeah i saw they had like monkey bars and they had like a like a tube and like a, a water pit yeah yeah similar uh, stuff you know testing your fear of claustrophobia um testing your fear of water stuff like that so yeah it's on point you know the intent is 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 in the right area okay all right well that's good to know the one thing um, there was a lot of in the show that you won't see in actual military training is crying. There's just like an immense amount of crying. Uh, yeah, just, I like they they got. <laughs> I've seen I've seen soldiers cry twice. Uh, once is if someone dies in combat, right? You you're mourning over the loss of a friend, or you're at a funeral, and the other time is at the end of seer school. So after you've been you've been captured for a week. And then you come out and you are no longer captured. Like I've never seen that many grown men cry simultaneously. It was oh, like man. it's an emotional event. It is it is wild. Um, because the scenario is so immersive, people forget they were like in a training environment. They think like no one really thinks they're behind enemy lines, but like it's so immersive it feels like it. You know? Yeah, the suffering is real whether or not it's actually the scenario that's playing out. Correct. Correct. Uh, there was, you know, there. When I watch the show, I I look for the gray individuals. So that's something we use, you know, at actual selection. You want to be a nameless, faceless person in the crowd. Um, you don't. You if you're really if you're like a top performer, you get picked on. If you're a bottom performer, you get picked on. So you want to be like top third, and just kind of skate by uh, without too much attention, positive or negative, on you. That's generally okay. how you go through most military courses. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Don't be. Don't be too good. Don't be a goody two shoes. Don't be too. Uh. Too strong or too fast. Yeah. You know the the tallest blade of grass gets cut first. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the one I thought it was cool when they had them line up strongest to weakest just to kind of see where they're at. I thought that was pretty cool. We, we usually we don't do stuff like that at uh, selection or ranger school because there's just too many people, right? Like I can't line up two hundred people. You just don't know that many. But we do do peers, right? So at the end of each phase, you highlight who you think is the best person and who you think is the worst person. Oh. And they, they kind of rack and stack those and some algorithm. And they sometimes if you have enough negative peers, they will tell you you failed despite you passing everything else, right? Oh, really? Because yeah. people don't have confidence in you? Yep. Some, I mean, sometimes it's rapport-based. People don't like you. Uh, you're not likable. Sometimes they don't have confidence in you. Sometimes they think you're, you know, skating by, doing them bare minimum, you know, whatever the reason may be. Uh, it basically means that yes, the instructors are evaluating you, but it also means your 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 peers, the other guys in your squad, are also evaluating you at all times. So you can't be we call it a spotlight ranger, right? You can't be someone who, when they're being evaluated, is suddenly all good and motivated, and then when they're not being evaluated, they're like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. I'm not pulling security or anything like that. So yeah separates out the, the people who are not team players yeah i did think it was fun in the context of the show when they made them do it twice yes i thought that was very clever yeah yeah that was that was a good uh it helps you to show like all the little great storytelling things like character development yeah and show like the the dynamics of the group in real time because that's something that like you're not you're never just going to like you can't recreate that 
So I think that's a moment where where it felt very it felt very real, especially like in between some things that seems like they weren't very real. Yeah, and I, I also like the interactions. I also liked how like you know I think initially a lot of people line up based off physical attributes, and then as you experience different things, it, it becomes a lot more mental attribute based as well as physical. Right, it's like a combination, and that's really how you know. That's how we look at things when we're, we're selecting people for special operations, right? It's, it, you never know who's going to make it to the end. If we knew who's going to make it to the end, we wouldn't bother having a selection. You would right. just take a fitness test and show up. They would do a psyche eval. They'd be like, all right, you five are the ones who we're going to take. Everyone else can go home, right? Like That's literally the reason we have selection. You, you can take guesses based off people's physical fitness and some of, the other, some of their background and their history, who's going to make it, but – uh, there's no perfect algorithm, which is why selection processes exist. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So you you mentioned briefly the high wire, low wire. So they had them yeah. tra- traverse essentially a high wire, low wire over a very uh, steep or big, big drop off. What were your thoughts on that? Man, I, I, I was going to ask you because the, the first thing that I thought was, well, I can absolutely see how fear can take over. But the more I looked at it, it didn't seem like people were flunking for fear. It just looked like that was hard. Yeah, I, I'm guessing once you get out to the middle, well, like, you know, physics, the middle is going to shake more than the front, the first third and back third, right? Because it's yeah. closer to the anchor points. And I think, you know, if you read my book, Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, you would know that on the high wire, low wire, you just slide your feet. You don't step over your feet. Right. Because when you slide your feet, you're always in contact with the wire. And some of them were definitely stepping, which, you know, if you miss, then the, the thing snaps and then you're hanging from your hands and now your legs are flailing. So, um, yeah, you know, we, I've never done that specific thing, but there are similar stuff as part of the, uh, the obstacle course races. So, again, it, it's, it's a part of a larger event in the military selection. And, you know, and I don't think it's as long or as high, but it, again, still testing fear of heights. And um, yeah, you're, you're not clipped in. Like they were clipped in on belay. So if they fell, they, they would have a, a safety net essentially. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of that that looked pretty staged. Uh, yeah. It, se- it seemed to me like they needed to come up with a story. It was taking a long time. And then they were like, all right, sorry, but you're going to have to throw this. <laughs> Good thing. Whether you want to or not. Because you would see that they, their hands came off at the same time as their feet. But it's like if you've ever been through an obstacle course, I mean, I'm not letting go. Yes, no. No, you're not <laughs> like, letting go, yeah. That's, that's not even like something that I had to like train to do. It's that like I'm, I don't want to fall down. Yeah, you're going to hold on for dear life because at that point you're terrified, right? And, yeah. 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 I don't have very much else to say about that. I mean, again, yeah. testing fear of heights, you know, confidence in your equipment. Those are all pretty standard stuff we do in the military. We do rappelling at ranger school. You do one rope bridge type stuff where you slide across the rope. Um, yeah. Pretty standard stuff. Again, it, it's the, the benefit of they're, they don't have to put 200 or 300 people through the course. They're putting 16, which makes you can do a lot, be a lot more dramatic. And things can take a lot longer um, right. for, for most of these events. That's the big difference. They, they did have them do some sort of combatives type fighting thing where like they ran up and like punched the guy in a suit 
Yeah. Uh, so there's not as much hand-to-hand fighting in military training as I think people imagine. Because uh, my primary weapon is my rifle, and my secondary weapon is usually a sidearm, and then my tertiary weapon is usually a knife, and then my fourth weapon is my hands. So we're, we're four levels deep at the point of me using my hands typically. Right. Um, so it's not quite as much. In ranger school, there you do do blocks of instruction for hand-to-hand fighting. The first week you're there, I think it was like two hours a day. And it's at the beginning of the course, and you have a bunch of students who are about to go through a two-month-long terrible course – and they're trying not to get hurt. So it's actually pretty right. funny because, again, you want to be the gray man. You, you, they're like, you know, hit your, hit your battle buddy. Like, punch him hard. And you're like, dude, don't punch me hard. And it's like, I don't want to be punched hard either. <laughs> so you're like, you're taking people down and you're like giving them body shots with like enough energy to not draw attention to the instructors, but not so much that you hurt your battle buddy. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretty funny. So people are like, ah. Um, and because you don't, there's really no, that's not a pass fail event. It's just um, you can get uh, essentially a negative spot report. They can point something out negative or something or positive that you did there, but that's not like a go, no go, must complete event. It's uh, it's just part of training. So a lot of things that are just part of training in, in those uh, courses like Ranger School, you know, people are just trying to get by. Um, you know, honestly, they're not even going to be tested on a lot of that stuff. So whatever you pick up is, is largely on your own personal memory. So. Yeah. I thought that was uh, another one that felt odd. Mm. That didn't seem like, like like just carting someone out and saying, all right, go be angry uh, was an interesting way to rope that into the, the storyline of the show and try and move, move characters forward. Uh, but I, I did, I was super interested in whether or not, if that had anything at all to do with special forces training. Yeah. Now at ranger school, we did do like kind of like, I think pugil stick fighting where you line up and they put two people in the ring and you, you hit each other. I think we did something like that. Or maybe they, it was just like more of sumo base where you're trying to get someone out of the center of the ring type thing. But gotcha. So it's loose. Again, a lot of the stuff has, has basis, how it plays out on screen is usually not exactly how it plays out in actual training. Yeah. Um, and they also had, uh, they showed some of the food they were eating and it looks a lot better than the food I ate. Didn't look basically, bad to me. <laughs> basically all my military training. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't eat necessarily eat the meals ready to eat the meals in a bag at every single meal, but there's a lot of training courses where that's like the, the majority of your meals. And then you get like, call them, uh, hot days. So hot, hot meals from like a chow hall occasionally. So, yeah. Nice. All right, trucking right along. I think that was through episodes one and two. Um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that really stood out to me as far as the way people were reacting, though. Did anything in that second? Because there was a lot of uh, kind of working on people mentally in that in that episode too. Yeah, uh, I, I think that. I mean, they have to introduce the characters and uh, the amount of the one thing that's kind of harder on the TV show than it is in real life is. There's only 16 people in the show, so you can focus more on individual people um, versus if you go to a course, there's 100, 200, whatever it may be. So there's more people. Uh, there's also more instructors, uh, and they have more time. So perhaps it balances out in the end. But um, with only a few people, they can really d- deep dive into you personally if they want to. So. Yeah. All right. All right. I see that. I feel you. Um, you know, some of the some of the 
candidates or whatever cadet whatever we're calling them we're talking about like missing their kids i mean i i've heard that excuse a thousand times it's the same i mean we can change the group of people but it's the same excuses all the time you know i gotta i gotta leave the i gotta leave because i'm missing my kids it's like yeah you don't think i miss my kids of course i miss my kids (laughs) you know like and it it, 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 i miss my wife or i miss you know insert excuse right there's someone always has an excuse on why uh their situation is specific and special and why they need to quit and um you know if there's always a good reason to quit you know you got to find a reason to stay though at the end of the day yeah yeah exactly you know i mean that's just like that's every single event that i do with you man it's like (laughs) you always you always do this like where you're like okay cool like i mean like you can always take one more step don't don't put those sorts of possibilities in your mind. Yeah. You start dwelling on them and they take you over. And to me, for me personally, I, like um, I didn't have kids for some of this training that I've been, went through. Uh, I've had kids for the last couple of years. But to me, when I'm going through something hard, I want to be able to go back to my kids and be like, I was having a really hard time and I didn't think I was going to make it, but I, I tried anyway. And you know, whether I failed or, or made it, like to me, that's better, more important. Rather than coming home early and spending time with the kids, being like, I persevered. I want you kids to learn perseverance. Yeah. No, totally. Like, I mean, you could do a lot to, uh, to strengthen your kids when you show them the way forward rather than using them as an excuse. Yes. hundred percent. They did have a, a roster board in the, um, like the cadre area. Again, that is, that is real. Right. So they, they do at a lot of, uh, courses, they do have like a list of the, the mm. candidates, and then as people quit or medically dropped, um, majority of them are quits. They're not medical drops. Yeah. They cross them off, or you know, if someone's doing particularly bad or particularly good, again, they get highlighted on that board, so people know to look out for them. Right? If someone's consistently underperforming, sometimes the cadre will start, you know, essentially trying to get that person to quit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I need to I need to go back. I'm not saying that somebody was using their kids as an excuse because there's a lot of stuff that people go through and it is not the same thing. It is a show for like money or like fame. Fame, so yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, fame. So it's like like I don't want to like be hard like judging anybody on that show. I'm just I'll judge. I'll judge. Just just <laughs> saying stuff, you know, like I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. Uh I'm not in this, this is just for entertainment purposes. That was one of the first things they said. It's like, see what you're made of. Like, if you're, if you would, this is not actually testing the same thing to me. Mm. Like, yeah, you can test a person's toughness, but not what their actual courage is. True. Yeah. I don't. I don't think not. Not in this sort of thing, anyway. Yeah, you know, my thing with all of these things are, you know, if. If, if you don't show up, if you're not going to go through with it, right? Like, right. Once I show up, the, the decision's made. Once you step across that start line, the decision's made. Like it's go time, and I don't care how how bad it gets. Yeah. We're going to go until the time runs out. I'm carried off the course, or it's finished. Period. So. Yeah. They did. Uh, the country were giving them feedback, kind of mid-event, and uh, which you'll get at some courses, Ranger School. You'll get feedback mid-event, and like. You know, air one school, air assault, and, and the a lot of the military courses. Selection, though, specifically for selection, you don't get feedback, which is one of the things that makes it really hard. Is at no point are they like, "Hey, you guys doing really good," or "Hey, you're doing bad." They just stare at you, scribble in their notebooks, and then you <laughs> stare at you. Oh no! And 
Like it, Ugh. it mentally obliterates some people. They don't like. They can't handle it. They can't handle like the no feedback, like positive or negative. They, they just, it just eats at them. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. dude, that's the worst. Like, I mean, just in in my day to day life, like some clients will give you tons of feedback, and I always go in saying, I want everything you say, positive, negative. I don't know what kind of job I'm doing if you don't like let me know, because it's like you you want to know if you get called back, right? Like, yeah. What did I do? Can I like fix this for next time? Some people won't let you know. I can, so I get that totally. Yeah, they they were also taking uh, suburbans between events, like these nice, you know, yeah, air conditioned cars, and the you know, so they could get some like good footage. But in like real military training, you're either walking or a lot of times you're they throw you in like the back of like a like a, a LMTV. It's like a big truck, so it's like open air truck in the back. It's terrible. It's not comfortable. You're like bouncing around. So, yeah, that was a little nicer. Um, and then we, we, the next event was the rollover drill. Yeah. So, uh, you explained to people what that looked like. You saw part of that one, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it kind of, kind of looked to me like it could have been a lot harder. Uh, and they, they made it easier, but it just reminded me of some stories you told me. So what they did was they kind of like lowered a truck into the water and then, or like a, like a Humvee. Yep. And then, uh, made them wait a certain amount of time before they let go of the wheel and swam up for air. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I think it was about 20 seconds. They had to sit there with their hands on the wheel and then they, they swam out the back of the submerged Humvee. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you didn't see it, but there was a, probably a diver next to them with air in case they actually severely panicked and you shove a regulator in their mouth. Yeah. I would, I would bet money. That's what was off camera. Oh, it was on. You saw it. Oh, was it on camera? Yeah. All right. I was yeah, watching while, while doing a uh, running on the treadmill. So I think I missed some stuff because I'd be sweating all over my phone. <laughs> right. But yeah, the, um, that, that event, we do rollover drills I've done them in vehicles on land. I've done them I've done like a submerged like helicopter thing where like it's dunks you in the water and then you you swim out. There's usually a little bit of air actually at the top as part of the safety precaution because you usually don't have divers available. Oh yeah. Um and like you said that that's very similar to a real life event from my past. Um which if you've read Ultra OCR man it's in there, but one of my lead Humvees essentially drove into a canal on the way to a target. And uh, we had four guys in a vehicle that normally holds five. And when it submer- when it went under, like about you know three quarters of the vehicle filled filled up with essentially sewage water, and the four guys were like crammed into the only pocket of air in the corner. Um, pretty crazy story. It's one of the few things that like regularly gives me uh, nightmares. So Oof. yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> I mentioned it to my wife the other day. I was like. Oh yeah, I get nightmares about that sometimes. She's like, "You do?" She's like, "How often?" I was like, "I don't know, like once every couple of months." I was like, "But well, that's normal." She's like, "That's not normal." It's like, <laughs> "That's not think that's normal." <laughs> I'm like, "You don't have reoccurring like terrible dreams?" She's like, "No." I was like, "Hmm." Yeah. Oh really? She does. I'm fine. I wake up. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> that must be a nice. I don't. <laughs> Mine are about terrible, like 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 terribly mundane things. Like uh, my 
I have a recurring dream. It's not the only one, uh, but one of them is I, I gave the valedictory address at my high school and I made an evil dead joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, and some people laughed, but the, the nightmare is that nobody did. And that would mean I was truly alone. <laughs> oddly specific. Very, very specific. <laughs> you know, you got to be real on these podcasts. <laughs> so the... Uh... With with the submerged Humvee thing, it's a lot. It's a lot like free diving, right? Like, if you're gripping the wheel with all of your energy, right, you're burning oxygen and creating more CO two, right? Right. So you you gotta relax. Like something like that, you take a couple of like deep inhales and exhales, slow your breathing, and then um, you take a couple of like really big exhales before, and then one big breath in. So the the urge to breathe is a buildup of CO two. It's not the lack of oxygen. That's triggering that urge to breathe. Oh, okay. So if you so like blow CO2 out all your lungs, yeah, you blow out all your CO two, um, and then take a big breath. Like you'll, uh, you'll do a trying it bit. now. There is a little bit of danger, right? Because if I if I do that too many times, like there's, it increases your chance of blacking out, but it also makes it more likely that you'll be able to hold your breath longer. So, you know, um, I thought the swimming out of the Humvee was interesting. Uh, but also unrealistic. So in real life, like I have so much equipment on that, like I'm a small guy and my body is like touching every part of the Humvee, right? Because I have a back plate, a front plate, all this equipment. Oh, yeah. I have essentially what is like a mini computer um, next to me. I have my two ra- the two radios, and then I have usually, you know, there's like heavy armored windows. Um, a lot of times it's like I got pencils hanging out, so I can write stuff down, or I got a notepad and like. I got some essentially rippets, which are basically like uh, caffeine. It's like it's like Red Bulls, yeah. stashed stashed behind in case I get tired <laughs> on patrol. I've got you know food. There's extra ammo. There's just so much crap in the Humvee. Yeah, that like in the in the show they're like, oh, I just swim out the back. Like in real life, you will literally hit everything on your way out the back, and you will get stuck on almost everything. There's fire extinguishers in your vehicle in case you get set on fire. Um, we do we, we we did start carrying like mini oxygen bottles, uh, but they were I don't know. It's just like it's like am I gonna be able to reach this in the event of an actual event? And if I am able to reach it, like maybe I should just swim out instead instead of worrying about the oxygen. But like I don't yeah. know. It's one of those things like could it be useful? Yes. I am I also like worried about carrying a compressed cylinder like in my vehicle a little bit. <laughs> I don't. It seems like I don't. Know, I saw Jaws when they, like they shoot the cylinder and it explodes. Like, yeah. that was in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> but but like, how would you get out though? Um, or how did you get out? So I mean, when when our guy's vehicle uh, rolled into the canal, they essentially moved to the only pocket of air that they could find, which was in the back corner. Um, me and my squad leader both ran up. He jumped and tried to access them from the through the the poop water on the bottom. I jumped yeah. on top of the Humvee and uh, the, I tried to open the door except the door is upside down. So the handle is the wrong way. Cause it's an up down handle. It's not like a normal door handle. Yeah. Um, so I tried opening the door twice, essentially doing a max single rep, max deadlift on this door <laughs> and it didn't move. I was, I was deadlifting an immovable object essentially. Um, yeah. Cause the lock was closed. Um, Side note, I woke up the next morning, and my, from the top of my head to the bottom of my hamstrings was sore. 
because oh. I had I had put so, I literally put everything I had into these two poles. Um, and when I went for the third pole, they had popped the inside the door open like a like less than an inch, and I jammed my fingers into the door, like ripped the door open, and I saw like all four of them in the only pocket of air left. And then we we pulled them out and we went on the raid. Um, had a, one vehicle overwatch the rolled over vehicle. My squad leader who was swimming in the poop water um, also went on the raid and was like throwing up in after every room. And uh, <laughs> it was, it's a great, it's a, it's one of my favorite memories because we were just making fun of him. Yeah. We, we'd clear a room and we'd look over and he'd be like vomiting and we'd be like, ugh, pull yourself together, man. Show, <laughs> you're respectable. <laughs> you know, like totally heartless. And this man literally ate sewage water <laughs> to save your life. Friends. And we're like making fun of him. Like on like not minutes after it happened. Like it's still yeah. going on. And we're still making like we're making fun of him <laughs> as it's happening. So that's like the type of culture um that you get in a lot of these combat arms units. That's pretty funny. But it's like it's like to bring it back into this show, it's it's just like what they, they said in one of the episodes, uh, that it's like when you see somebody like kind of like shrinking into their head like shrinking in on themselves like you start to brood and feel sorry for yourself and that's the beginning of the end and like anything yeah like like a crazy reality show selection or just any ocr like you gotta like stay positive you gotta keep laughing you can't take yourself too seriously because the pain's gonna be there regardless yep absolutely you know at, at ranger school selection there's always at least like one guy in every one of my like squads who was just like a really positive guy and he would make things funny even when you know there's nothing to laugh about like you're just suffering and he's still cracking jokes and it really it like brings the morale of the whole group up and then yeah you're like all right well this does suck but let's let's keep going yeah the quality of the jokes doesn't even matter really it's it just that not. you keep making them <laughs> and i mean As we, we, we saw that yeah we saw that we were <laughs> we were repeating the same lines from uh <laughs> The other guys about the uh, soup kitchen, a bunch of homeless people uh, doing things in uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg's Prius there. And th- like it wasn't even funny, but we were just repeating it over and over again. Everything point. becomes funny if you get tired enough, too. So it's like the bar lowers, and then everyone can have their moment of, uh, of being, being a really popular dude in high school. It's true. <laughs> Um, you know, one thing that was interesting about the show was their celebrities. Um, and I think a lot of them had a harder time dealing with some of the negative, uh, people talking to them. Cause I don't think as, as celebrities, I think a lot of them are treated nicer than the average person, in my opinion. Right. So, you know, if you, people are normally treat you like you walk on water and you're, you know, like a special flower and all of a sudden these cadre show up and they're just treating you like complete garbage. To me, there's a bigger delta there compared to the average civilian who is, you know, you know, is not treated necessarily poorly, but may not be treated great. I think they're, I think mentally, that's a harder adjustment they had to make. Um, Definitely can be because like, there's a reason why, like, you know, if you're on like a film set or whatever, and you're working with somebody, especially somebody who's being paid a certain amount of money and is like kind of lending your project any sort of credence, you, you treat them that way so that you get what you need out of them. Mm. But in this, what you need out of them is for them to suffer visibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of probably, I mean, like, I imagine that, you know, you can never see behind the camera. 
what you see in front of the camera is, is a carefully fabricated reality based on, you know, the budget carefully is in air quotes there. But it's like, you know, you, you've probably got somebody being super nice right behind the camera too. Mm. Uh, so I kind of have a theory that they are playing up every moment because they know how to, to make it, uh, to make it, you know, to play into that persona a little bit more. And you could see who didn't get showed, like uh, a couple of the guys who at the, the point where we are seem to just be like better at this. Nobody's talking to them at all. Like they're not getting interviewed. Nobody cares what they say because they're, they're not making any drama. Yeah. And they're not being the gray man. They're being the gray man. That's where you yep. want to be. Yep. And so like, that's a, uh, that's something you run into all the time with like untrained talent and like uh in like reality TV or like documentary kind of stuff is that um, the people who are the most well-adjusted are the least interesting to watch, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you go, Oh man, I, uh, I thought that this would be an interesting piece to make because you're really good at what you do. The problem is we're not actually entertained by what you do. We're entertained by watching you suffer. And I thought that over and over again, as I was watching it, I'm like, Hmm. Yeah, I wonder where the line is. I wonder who's actually suffering and who's really a good actor. Mm, that's a good. That's a good question because they're all they're all essentially actors on some level. Even the ones who are not overtly acting is their profession. Yeah, like high performing TV type people. Yeah, and they were selected for their, uh, in addition to their celebrity status, also for their personalities, right? Like if, if you have someone who's really dull, they weren't going to be like, all right, you're one of the sixteen people we're bringing on TV who's a high-performing athlete, but it's just very unemotional and dull. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or even if, like, um, I think about how there is, when, when you and I are doing stuff, sometimes it can be really difficult to get you to to pretend even <laughs> to be in pain, you know? I'm like, dude, just give me something. Give me I, something here. You're just too tough. I just, I just, I just go silent. Like, that's my pain. Like, if, if I'm not talking, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm just you know, withdrawn into my shelf and just, uh, you know, the, the battle's inside. You just can't see it. Right. Which That's doesn't make for good TV. We've, we've established. <laughs> oh, we, we figured it out. I think I've learned you a little bit. The next time we do something, I think, uh, I think I learned a few tricks. Okay. Stuff that's worked. Okay. I just annoyed the crap out of you. Really? It's like, kind of... <laughs> I'll get you to talk. I'll get you to break. They they did have a lot of uh, high performing athletes like Olympians and you know yeah. sp professional sports people on there, and I think um, sometimes you'll see some of those people quit and give up, and people are like, oh, but they're an Olympian. How did they? They they must have been through all sorts of tough training. And I think one of the big differences, uh, there's a couple of big differences. One of them is it's specialized, right? So like yeah, they are very good at whatever their specific specialty is, and they've been high performing at that for so long at this point. It is – I mean it is just what they are, right? It's who they are, and you take them out of that comfort zone, and even if what they're doing is physically not as hard, if it's uncomfortable for them and they're not performing like the way they think they should, it becomes mentally really hard. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, right, as an athlete, you go to practice, and practice may be awful, but it lasts an hour or two, and then you go back home, and you relax, and you eat. And then maybe you go do another practice later in the day. You know, it could be hard another hour or two. And then again, you go back home versus stuff like military selection or military schools. You know, they have you for the next 
two weeks to two months or longer. So right, so that like, yeah. you can't you can't just wait it out. Like this is it. This is your life. Like no 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 phone, no TV. You know, you're just you're just sucking. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just sucking. I remember being in uh, you know, being like around thirty and being in the field. Um, so we're like I'm in a patrol base in the middle of the night, some random part of North Carolina. I'm eating cold food, you know, like on my rucksack in the middle of the night. It's like 3 a.m. and I'm eating a cold meal that's not good. The you know it's not good for you. It doesn't taste good. And I'm like, man, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, <laughs> my friends are in their their bed next to their girlfriends or their wives. <laughs> They're probably going out for a drink later, and maybe they come back from the bar. And like, I'm sitting here on someone's rucksack eating cold food. It's like, <laughs> it's like I, I've made several bad life choices that have brought me to this moment. And uh, you know, you just kind of be like, kind of shake your head, and you're like, eh, whatever. Well, if you weren't an author, then maybe those stories would be less valuable to you. But I think you intuited that you were going to use them. I did not intuit that. Really? But, uh, <laughs> so, so that was just uh, that was a something that you didn't think all the way through from the beginning. Interesting. I mean, like I knew it was going <laughs> to suck, but it was just like in that moment, you're like, man, this does suck. <laughs> like, I wonder why a lot of people quit this. This is, I am not having fun. Um, <laughs> I, I empathize. They did have, so when they quit, they gave their, they would give up their wristband. And occasionally it seemed like they were about to get, um, okay, you'd see it from within the group. People would um, try to talk them back into not qu- like, all right, hey, I'm going to quit. And they'd be like, no, 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 you know, you should stay, blah, blah, blah. In my experience, I have never seen that work. Really? Yeah. Like once people verbalize that they are quitting, in my experience, they've already made that decision long ago. Now it's just now it's just public for everyone. Um, right. It's so, something that has like kind of been been welling up long enough that by correct. the time they verbalize it it's it's overtaken them yeah so even uh you know in uh college i we ran a pledge period uh, which was again no drinking is largely physical mentally taxing it really helped me prepare for things like ranger school and selection and we would have people quit all the time and uh a couple times i was in charge and like i talked people back in they never stayed mm. you know they'd be like all right i'll, I'll stick around and then like Within a week, they were always gone. You know, if not, it's usually like 24 hours they would be gone. Um, you know, quitting. Uh, the reason they, when they'd quit, they, you know, they pull them out of the group. Um, one, because they're out of the course, but two, it's like a virus, right? Like when you're in a squad and people start quitting, people view it as socially acceptable to quit, mm. and it, it encourages other people to quit. So, you know, in a lot of these military selection courses, when someone quits, they they snatch them up right away and they pull them out of the group as fast as possible because they don't want that spreading. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Cause if other people are giving up, you're, you're like, Oh, well I made it longer than that dude. So now it's socially acceptable for me to give up. And, uh, it's not. So, yeah. The, the one thing I thought was interesting was, um, when a lot of people would quit, uh, you know, they would be like, they'd be like this emotional goodbye and they'd be talking to the other candidates. Right. And they'd be like, you know, thanks for everything you did and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, be like, and they'd walk out and they'd be like, man, I really had an emotional connection, emotional impact. As someone who's been in a lot of courses, 
and watched other people quit, the people who quit had no emotional impact on me. Nothing. Like I don't remember yeah. any of I don't I can't remember any of them. So like I think I think when people quit, they think they're you know, if they were there for thirty three percent of the course, they think they've left this emotional impact on the other students or the other candidates. And they don't like it you're you're the second you walk out and you are no longer part of that group, you're a forgotten memory. I can't remember a single dude that quit from any of my courses. No idea who any of them are. Oh man. There's just, there's just no impact. Like you yeah. are you're completely completely meaningless in the long run. Like I don't I don't remember. I have enough trouble remembering the people I graduated with. Uh, the the people who quit <laughs> ghosts, man. Like I mean complete ghosts to me. So Yeah, don't quit. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Dude, Um, what a show. So many emotions, you know, like as one of the instructors put it, uh, you were on an emotional roller coaster, (laughs) which I thought was a really funny thing for him to say. Mm. (laughs) But afterwards I was like, yeah, I guess anything physically difficult can also be emotionally difficult just by nature of you not being practiced at it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I did think some of their challenges were hard because some of them, they didn't get any really that we could see. They didn't get any training going into it. And we'll we'll get into that later. Some of the like the, especially in that last episode, um, which I know you haven't watched yet, but Mm -hmm. um, we actually can't talk about too much in the last episode because it starts getting into like classification stuff that I don't, I don't want to try to tiptoe around. Um, Oh yeah. We want to be able to gotcha. Yeah um we'll talk about like one or two more things and then we'll we'll wrap it up so um we're kind of in the beginning of very early stages of episode four if you're if you're watching along as we're we're talking through this one of the things i thought was interesting was like the uh some of the candidates were using their the term like triggers for like when they would talk about stuff that upsets them or something and um again just evan's opinion i think that is i don't i think that's a bad term to use because when you when you say trigger it implies like i have to have a certain reaction to it versus like if you use some, a term like challenge right like yes that there's certain words or phrases that may upset me but when i say trigger i feel like that automatically means i have to respond in a certain way versus like a challenge like i can decide how i want to respond to something i right. don't like um it's more of just like a i, th- I thought the use of that some of that they're phrasing some of that semantics were were interesting um, so I feel like we don't, again, you know, maybe, maybe they use it now in the soft community, like in the, in the selection course and stuff, but uh, most of the people I go and work with don't use that. They don't use that phraseology, that terms, those terms like that. Right. Because at the end of the day, like, do you want to be here or not is yeah. kind of it. And yeah, I mean, it could, could do some psychological damage, but it's, Probably for most of the people who make it through, it's the same as like muscle damage, right? Like you have to deal with emotionally upsetting things to be able to deal with emotionally upsetting things in the same way as your muscle has to undergo a certain amount of stimulus to be able to grow and adapt. So it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I know that hurts. However, we move forward, right? Or we don't. It's progressive overload. Yeah, it, it works for fitness. It works for, I mean, I'm sure you can relate, right? Like, you didn't start off making a documentary, right? You started off doing small clips and building from there and, you know, expanding uh, to different projects. And, um, you know, the work you do now, I'm sure, is much better than what it was five years ago. 
Yeah, like it's it's not even the same thing. Uh, but it it didn't come from just doing the same things. It came from progressively going. All right, this is rough. Like this is this is scary. This is hard. Um, I don't know that I can do this. And it's like you you only grow right at the edge. Just like it's always the the failure rep. Yeah. That's the old adage. I don't know exactly how scientifically true that is, but I know it mentally is true. If you're like, you know, like we, you know, a friend and I were working out the other day and, you know, he was just, he wasn't quite there with the weight. He was scared of the weight. And I'm like, look, part of this is just like mental. Part of it's your nervous system. Why don't you like step out underneath the weight for just like five or 10 seconds, you know, like, and then like rack it again. Mm. See how you feel wasn't too scary, right? Because you can get underneath this. This is not that much more. You know, it's like right at the edge of your capacity is where all the growth happens, like all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. I love it, man. Reps to failure. That's right. That's right. No anti-partial lifting club, right? (laughs) They they did also do a repel safety fall. So, right, so they would – they were – they had, I don't think you, you haven't watched this part, but they had people. No, but I've done it and I love it. Yeah, they essentially people, they purposely fall and then your safety pulls on the rope and it makes you stop falling, right? So we we actually have done that one. Uh, so that one is straight from um, some of the courses I've been through where you're, you're showing trust in teammates, you're showing trust in equipment, right? That is completely normal, um, completely nor- normal training. Uh, the one big difference was, you know, in, in the show, they have all these, like, fancy climbing harnesses. <laughs> like, most of the military <laughs> courses, you tie your own seat. So it's just, like, a length of rope that you've wrapped around your groin, and you, oh are, my God. Oh, you tie terrible. it off to the side. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> trust yourself. Yeah, you got to trust yourself that you tied, tied it correctly, right? And, they, and you know, they, they safety inspect you before you go up and stuff like that, but um, it's definitely a little bit different. Yeah, that would be a pretty anticlimactic way to lose a promising recruit. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, your knots need some work, but it's not worth dying over or anything, you know. <laughs> and they did have people like on some of the falls, they were screaming, right? Like they're like, "Woo!" You know, like like it's a roller coaster. And sometimes you do get that at military schools, and the you will get yelled at immediately. Like the really? airborne school jumping out of a plane for the first time. Um, every almost everyone that leaves the plane is like hooting and hollering. And the instructors are on the drop zone just yelling at people. They're like, shut up, shut up. You're not supposed to be yelling. And people are like, and, you The know, enemy knows you're here now. Yeah. The sky is so big and there's so many people in there. You can't tell who's screaming, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, just complete lack of military discipline on, on stuff like that. As, you know, by the second and third and by the end, people are, people are quiet like they're supposed to be. Um, and then when you do it in training, people are quiet. But it's... It was just funny that uh, like hearing people yell on the rappel drop thing. It was very reminiscent of airborne school. Okay. Yeah. Well, dang, that's good to know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know for what, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was funny. Uh, so we're gonna kind of we're about halfway through episode four. Um, we're gonna we're gonna cut it there for the discussion for now. Uh, we will probably do another episode of this i don't think we'll spill over into a third because uh, i think especially the the last episode i i have almost no notes for i was basically taking notes while running uh and watching the show over the last couple of weeks so yeah man you would run it on the treadmill a lot i have been so i i mentioned to you beforehand 
I'm and I mentioned on the last podcast, I'm I was train I'm training with the Fort Riley Combatives team. So I I I train martial arts, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu type uh, combative stuff, like an obnoxious amount every day. I think it's three, uh, four and a half hours a day. I train. Oh man, <laughs> spread up into three different sessions, and then on. <laughs> Um, and then, but like, I still have to prep for Ninja Warrior and I'm still prepping for normal obstacle course racing season when that comes after. So I, I've been doing, uh, I've been doing mostly treadmill running because it's just, it's just a matter of time. Like I, I come into the office after training in the morning and I'm like, all right, let me at least knock out a couple miles. So, uh, my body doesn't forget how to run. Right. Yeah. How are your, uh, how are your tendons and, uh, and joints doing from all that, uh, BJJ and then running? Uh, you know, um, <laughs> a little achy. Yeah, I'm just chronically tired. This I normally take a nap during this time of recording this, but um, it, it was worth uh, skipping the nap to talk to you and, and produce a little more content. Uh, and my arms and shoulders are never really that good. I I, I tend to when we do BJ, I, I will tap early and tap often uh, when I feel like my arms in in jeopardy. Yeah, um, and when when people do. When someone tries to give me like a knee bar, I, I start freaking out because I I'm like I, I don't hurt my knees. I literally I need those. Like, yeah, I need those are very important. <laughs> um, so far I've managed to stay largely injury free. Um, you know it's a little bit achy, and then you can also once, especially if you have an experienced training partner, you know they know not to apply pressure super fast. It's it, right. honestly the scariest part is rolling with someone who is new. Because they're a lot more jerky, right? So you're you're more likely to get like elbowed in the face, or uh, you know they're more likely to if they know how to do like an actual move to push down on it too hard instead of gradually increasing pressure, right? Because oh yeah, you know the majority of people, you know, especially someone who's experienced, will um, it's very controlled. So, but yeah, it's been a it's been exhausting. It's been an exhausting five <laughs> weeks. And we got about uh, three three weeks or so left. So. Uh, more than halfway. Yeah. So. Well, dang, dude! I wish you <sighs> good luck with all of your. <laughs> yeah. All of your things going on right now until I until we talk again. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. We will. We'll try to squeeze one more of these in sometime in the next couple of weeks. And. Uh, yeah. What else you got? Any any other plugs or shout outs we need to give Bobby before we let you go? No, man. I am. I'm just just living my good life, you know, just working, Sounds feeling good. good, feeling good, getting really excited about uh, getting really excited about getting a PlayStation Five. Honestly, nice. <laughs> I've been saving up. I've been waiting. So that's that's really the biggest thing in my life right now. Nice, nice. Yeah. Side note: Comic Con is in a week and a half in Kansas Dang, City. Dang, dude! Oh, oh yeah. we we did not get picked, by the way. I forgot to tell you. Oh well, that's fine. Less exciting, less so. exciting. That's okay. But again, I, I, you know, I've said this before. Like, I try stuff all the time and fail all the time, and it's just, uh, you know, you got to put yourself out there, and sometimes it pays off big, and sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah, overnight yeah. successes are the people who failed every night until the one night that they were successful. That's right. That is <laughs> that is a hundred percent right. Right. Or like the I was saying, the the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Oh, good. Good one, too. I like that. I'm going to write that down, actually, right now. That's probably old, but it's really good. Yeah. So. All right. We're going to get going. Um, I think that's it. Uh, head over to TeamStrengthSpeed.com. You can pick up a, my books, 
Uh, Ultra OCR Man's up there. You can pick up Blegmits. We're still waiting on the larger streams to come in, but everything else is in stock. And if you want to see some of Bobby's content, uh, you can head over to the Strength and Speed page. I think I've got Im- embedded videos on almost all of his stuff. Uh, his OCR Everest is on the landing page of teamstrengthspeed.com. It's on the landing page of ultraocrman.com, which is the same website. I just have two domains directing you to the same place. Um, or if you look <laughs> if you look in my video section, uh, you'll also see links to a lot of the content Bobby's produced. Because any, anytime he uses me for anything, I I embed that link right into my website so people can check it out. And yeah. I, do I want to share this now? I don't know if I want to share this now. I'm, I I made a connection. You'll be excited about this. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but I made a connection from one of the original Mortal Kombat characters. Nah, who's supposed to come on my podcast? And we've been going back and forth trying to find a good date. Um, so not, and when I say a, a Mortal Kombat character, I'm not, not the movie, the original game because they digitized the actors. Oh no, too good. So I'm super excited. Uh, I've been trying to line up a date with him. Um, we'll see if it pans out. Bro, uh, wherever so not, he is, let's just go. Like, let's go. He's, I think he's in California. Okay. Let's and, go film him. His bro- apparently his brother works for one of my other friends' company in New York. It's a long story. We'll tell that some other time. Okay. Well, we're gonna go. People are gonna watch the video content that we make with them. That's what's gonna happen <laughs> in California. All right, uh, Bobby. Anything else for no. you? No. No. All right. We're good. Follow Bobby Ross Film. Go to his website. Check him out. Book him for high-paying stuff so we can fund our. Our, our stupid adventures on the side, please. I got a pitch for you. Or a nine. Okay. <laughs> no, just so you know, if you're, if you're looking. If you're looking yeah. for pitches, you're looking for ideas, we got them. Yeah, we do have them. Yeah. All right, Bobby, great talking to you. I will uh, catch up with you later. See you all on the flip side. <laughs>